0: and welcome to the totally scottish football show in association with paddy power we're coming to you after a storter of a night for scottish clubs in europe you may not like rangers and celtic but don't be hating on the coefficient the local rivalry in edinburgh knows no bounds hearts spinned off their manager so hibbs followed suit four days later who will receive a rose from jack ross it's not all doom and gloom in the capital. Edinburgh City are on a promotion push in League 2 and we'll check in on them later. I'm Andrew Slaven, and with me in the studio from Copa90, Mr Finn Marks. Hello. And alongside us, a European football journalist who watched Chelsea 4 Ajax 4 on Tuesday night. It's Kieran Canning. Kieran, the only thing that game was missing was Billy Gilmore. Would have been 8 4
1: Chelsea in that case. It genuinely was one of the the craziest games. think of. Normally, when you get games of that score, you you can pinpoint to actually neither side being that great sometimes because of, you know, it's just where the open fences are are a bit shaky and stuff like that. Um, But no, it was just great fun. Yeah, that was chaotic.
0: Uh, There's an election coming up. Are we excited about this?
1: Yeah, really excited. Oh, really? No, I'm not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, I thought you were being serious. No. Nope. Um, we don't want to be like former Celtic striker Tony Watt and current Charlton striker Lyle Taylor because they had a wee falling out. Does anyone want to lead with this?
1: Yeah, I was actually quite impressed by uh, footballers <laughs> getting involved in, in political issues. As, as someone who had to cover, if it was in France, when, um, when the Brexit vote happens and then being sent to the England camp the next day <laughs> for uh, Harry Kane's um, It Is What It Is. Uh, I was quite quite impressed by uh, two footballers getting
0: into quite serious uh, political issues So yeah, so Tony Watt tweeted I don't know the first (laughs) thing about politics But I don't mind paying tax at all If the government want to tax me an extra 5% And it would save a lot of lives and help a lot of families I'm all for it So Lyle Taylor tweeted Don't care what anyone thinks of me I won't be voting for someone to take more money I work for away from me Tony Watt is at CSKA Sophia right now, which I always struggle to say. And Taylor wanted to point out that he's obviously not paying tax in the UK right now. So Watt replied, who's paid more UK tax in their life, me or you? Taylor then said, sorry Tony, you money man you, I bow to your superior earnings. The argument ended
2: with Watt calling Taylor muggy. I do like this though because I just think it should be something that they ask footballers on a more regular basis. I think you know what rather better...
0: than rather than what their favourite dish is.
2: Well, I think even in the post-match interview, rather than the generic, just talk us through that goal or how big a moment was that for you. Just be like, um, who are you voting for? Yeah. Like, just <laughs> kick it off. It'd yeah. be great. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power.
0: You said it, Sutton. One of the great nights in Celtic's European history. They'd never won in 12 previous visits to Italy, but it was lucky number 13 as Olivier and Cham scored a 95th minute winner in the Stadio Olimpico. For the second time in a fortnight, Celtic came from a goal down to beat Lazio 2-1 and it means Celtic have qualified from Group E with two games to spare. What a
1: night. Easy. <laughs> incredible. No danger. I don't think we were saying that in the first 20 minutes when, when Lazio started very brightly, of course, went yeah. ahead through Chiril Mobile. But yeah, incredible from, from Celtic. I mean, they did ride the luck a little bit at times, a few good saves from Fraser Foster, but you're going to have to do that when you're going away to a team that's fourth in Serie A that did play their strongest lineup tonight, which the rest of the few players in Glasgow two weeks ago. And... Two incredible finishes. Firstly, from from Forrest to to bring them level just before half time, and then in Cham, who hasn't had a great time at Celtic over the past eighteen months or so. Um, after a very good first season, came on with about fifteen minutes to go, and and even then we were kind of looking at him and. When you saw the effort that all the other Celtic players were putting in, we were questioning him a, bit, a little bit in terms of he wasn't maybe pressing or chasing back as, as much as some of the others. But then to, to deliver just that one incredible moment of quality in the 95th minute yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible it is, it is
0: incredible Considering, you know, there was a lot of really hairy moments I'm thinking about when Scott Brown passed the ball straight to a Lazio <laughs> player And the pressure was on But Fraser Foster, once again, a string of massive saves And this is just huge for Celtic now Because they can look forward to, you know, more big nights, can't they, Finn?
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's just uncharted territory, isn't it, for a Scottish team in European group stage competition to have qualified with two games to go. It means they can actually potentially do a bit of squad rotation for the two remaining games. They don't have to win them. Uh, Obviously, it's still between them and Cluj probably for top spot. So they'll, they'll want to be professional and try and finish in the top spot if they can. But it's amazing. Four games in and they've qualified. When you look at the group as well, before the group stage started... No, I don't think anybody would have had Celtic down for six points against Lazio. Like, that, it's, that's yeah. a
1: stunning set of results. Well, even just the, the group as a, a whole, when you think of the fallout to the Cluj Champions League ties. And then when you saw this group, and, and I know they've, they've fallen off the pace a bit since, but when the group started, Rennes were top of Liga. Yeah. Um Everyone was kind of looking at it as Rennes and Lazio as the two teams from the top five European leagues. Um, Rennes, who got to the quarterfinals of the Europa League last season and beat Arsenal 3-1 in the, the home leg of that quarterfinal. I know Lazio have a very outside chance of still pipping Cluj, um, but for those two teams to practically be out of it <laughs> after four games, yeah, and I think it, it goes to show that... Yeah, they they rode the luck a little bit tonight, but Celtic's performances generally in Europe away from home under Lennon this season, they've won in Sarajevo, they won in Stockholm in the European qualifiers beat uh, Nomi Kalaju who weren't up to much uh, also in the qualifiers drew in Rennes and have now won away in Rome it, it does show a, a real progression from the way they've performed in Europe even over the last um, couple of years with, with Brendan Rodgers in charge
0: yeah they obviously drew in you, you make a good point though under Brendan Rodgers it was never convincing in Europe are Celtic playing better football in Europe under Neil Lennon
1: I think so, I think... Or more winning football. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the comparison, I think, is a bit fairer last season and this season because the first two years of Rodgers, obviously, you got into the Champions League where it's a much higher level and there were some real thrashings there and the the 7-0s, the 7-1 against PSG, 7-0 against Barcelona. Lennon hasn't gone up against that standard of, of opposition as as good as Lazio are, as we're saying, a, a team that's fourth in, in Serie A. But yeah, even like last season... Away from home, they were quite easily beaten by Leipzig, quite easily beaten away by Salzburg, and lost home and away against Valencia. So I think generally you can see that, that Lenin's team were very a bit harder to beat. They set up a bit more conservatively, but still possessed that that real counter-attacking threat. And as we saw in you know the last ten, fifteen minutes of this game, that it wasn't a case that Celtic were sitting in and just defending Defending the draw, and we were saying in the studio maybe even they ought to have been doing that a bit more so because they were leaving themselves a bit open. But they always maintained that counter-attacking threat. Missed a good chance through odds on Edward, but then he pounced on a a really
2: sloppy pass by by Lazio midfielder um and played in encham for the for the winner. The finish from Incham even though it was a. A horrendous mistake Because I don't think they, Edward wasn't really Even pressing There was no yeah. pressure there, there was no, no pressure pressing on, and and um, In Valo and But in that instance You've still got to To put the chance away And yeah I chanted that Emphatically oh. A fantastic finish Well next up for Celtic uh, They host Motherwell On
0: Sunday Their opponents Motherwell Have only lost once On their travels this season That was in Glasgow At Ibrox They were beaten 5-2 By Celtic At Fir Park Earlier in the season but it was a good performance from Steven Robinson's side, particularly against Rangers.
2: They they looked quite well and they took the lead in that game, didn't they? They did, and also I think they took the lead against Celtic as well. Yeah, and the what I remember from that game, the, the the game at Fir Park, was just that Mother World didn't give Celtic a second's rest, and then it was more just kind of the, the the fitness levels. Really, it was when they started to tire in the second half, and Celtic were able to pick them apart. You know, we've made the the point numerous times this season of um, how enjoyable it is uh, to watch Motherwell, their kind of style of play and they're, they're, they're uh, completely different from the way that they were playing a couple of years ago. It's just, it's really good to see. It will be interesting to see how they set up going to to Celtic Park given that I think at For Park, they, they were just like, oh, this is our patch, you know, we're, we're going to give as good as we can. I don't think you can do that at Parkhead. It's just, it's a much bigger pitch. Um, you do need to set up with a much more defensive mindset, I think, and it'll be interesting to see how Mother will do with that because I, I don't know how good they are doing that. How do you think the players specifically here
0: can cope with the, you know, the interest in their manager, Stephen Robinson, because he's highly tipped to be going to either Hibs or, or Hearts and, um, that must be unsettling to the players, right? Yeah.
1: Um, yes and no. I I don't think until it's something that's that's really likely to happen. I think at the moment it's very much speculation about about Robinson. Um. I think yeah. If and if and when it did happen, it would be a, a massive loss for Motherwell if he was to to move on, given what he's done there, particularly related to the the budget that he has and his ability, whether it's him or the the team he's got around him to to constantly sort of find gems particularly down in England for for very little money I think for this game the big thing is going to be how does tonight affect Celtic do they go in on a massive high and take that on or do they suffer a bit of a hangover given you know, it was the very
0: classic <laughs> European hangover it, it was a
1: very much an end to end kind of game as well so it was very physically demanding Lennon hasn't rotated a huge amount particularly over the past the past few weeks so I struggle to think that he's going to make too many changes so that, that could be the, the only thing that, that goes against Celtic that you know, aren't they so a bit physically and, and mentally shattered after what's happened tonight and Motherwell are one of the teams in the league that are capable of, of going there and springing a surprise if Celtic aren't 100% at it could, could it work in Motherwell's favour that Robinson's tipped
0: the players actually say well we'll turn out a performance to try and keep you to stay here
1: the bigger thing is going to be whether Hearts or Hibs really go for him because I think if they they do and if they're willing to match uh, what Motherwell would want in terms of compensation um, then I'd struggle to see them staying no matter what happens and if you're a Motherwell fan it's one of those situations where do you obviously you would love to go and win at Celtic Park but if you do then it really does put them in the, yeah. the shop window and and Maybe that would, you know, the, the lesser evil in the long run is to to take a a two-one, you know, a, a unspectacular two-one defeat and keep hold of your manager. I think that's a good point. If Mother will turn
0: over Celtic, Robinson's probably gone.
2: I, but would he want to go? That's the thing as well. Like, do you, it's taken him a little bit of time to set up the team the way that he wants them to be playing. They're playing really well. If you're going into a team like. Hearts, you might have to deal with the whole Levine legacy thing. If you're going into Hibs you're probably looking at some um, January signings to try and change the team around. So it it, it could be that as well.
1: Just the last sort of Scottish angle into it as well. It, it's a bit like the Alec Neil situation at um, Preston, where um, Stoke clearly wanted him to to take charge, and he stayed at Preston because you know why would you go from being at one end of the table directly? To, and the Preston Stoke example is even more extreme because of Preston went. Top of the table On, on Sunday And Stoker right at the bottom But Why would Robinson Necessarily go from A team that's challenging For third At the moment To a team that's At the other end of the table And bear in mind like Great
0: news for Motherwell In the week When they cleared their debts With their previous owners A club that's really being run well Fan owned And you know Robinson's building something Maybe it isn't a good idea To leave That was a close shave For Celtic Speaking of which I want to talk to you about Harry's. Their razors have top quality blades and are almost half the price of the leading five-blade brand. I like to shave, and I am shaving more because I am an up-and-coming father. I don't want to be cuddling my new baby and giving it face rash. So (laughs) I need to shave. I need to keep getting used to my smooth face. So there's no face. Need- I'm looking at my my co-hosts around me, and I'm seeing not a lot of hair on Kieran's face, just your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> you should give it a go, guys. So get started today with your trial set for three pounds ninety-five. Support the podcast and get your trial set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge foaming shave gel and travel blade cover by going to harrys.com forward slash Scottish right now. That's harrys.com forward slash Scottish. Both Edinburgh clubs in the Premiership are currently without a manager after Hibbs dismissed Paul Heckingbottom on Monday. We're joined now by Anthony Brown from the Edinburgh Evening News. Anthony, Hickenbottom was unbeaten in his first 10 games in charge, but a run of 10 games without a win in the Premiership cost him his job. Any sense of surprise? Uh,
3: Not really, no. I think this has been on the cards for probably a couple of months now in terms of the the way his reign seemed to be going. Uh, Obviously, as you say, it started really well. Everybody was singing his name. Hickey was at the wheel and all that in the first 10 games when he was unbeaten. He won six of his first eight. Everything seemed to be going really well, and then after that, it just seemed to hit the skids. The summer was really poor in terms of recruitment. There was a lot of questionable sign ins. People were thinking this is a lot of players with downgrades on the guys who had gone out. They weren't convinced that they had brought in players who were ready to go and compete for the European places, and that's the way it's transpired so far. They've looked pretty grim. It got to the point where the fans were turning, there was no sign of any real momentum beginning to build and it was uh, just becoming a bit toxic towards the end and no, it was no great surprise when the news was eventually announced on Monday. Ron Gordon, the Hibs owner, was in attendance at
1: Hampden for the
3: defeat to Celtic. Do you think the decision was already made? Mm, I think they would certainly have been psyched for the possibility that they were going to have to make a decision at some point. Um, I wouldn't like to say it was already made before Saturday, but certainly they would have been of a mind going into that game that if he lost and lost heavily, which he did, then they would have to do something, particularly in light of going 10 games in a row without a win in the league.
2: Is it surprising in a way that they didn't make the change sooner? Were they just waiting on the semi-final?
3: I can see why they gave him a bit of time. I think I'm one that advocates giving a manager time and in fairness to him, he was starting to pick up points here and there, he wasn't winning games but as I said he was getting into good positions at Aberdeen away, Celtic at home Hearts at home, Ross County was 2-0 up, he was getting into positions that made you think if they can just eke out a win here something might turn for them but there's only so far you can go just picking up a point at home to Ross County and Livingston and things like that and it got to the point where I think they've just thought, hang on a minute we're one point off the bottom in November we need to act. In terms of where it went wrong, does it just come down to the recruitment like
0: you said earlier.
3: I think that was the main thing that did for him in the end. I mean, certainly there was other aspects. He could have probably deployed the players that he had at his disposal in a better way. Arguably played two up front. I mean, I know there's more than one way to skin a cat, but certainly the strikers, Camberi and Deutsch, both looked like they were struggling as the lone striker. Florian Camberi actually told me last week after the Celtic game that he would prefer to play as a partnership with Christian Deutsch. He felt that would benefit them both. So little things like that, he could probably have done better maybe. I think it was apparent for some time that the formation he was playing with wasn't really going to get results, even with this this squad. But fundamentally, I think the recruitment was the issue. He didn't have enough quality in the squad.
1: What do you make of the names and the frame for the job? The bookie's favourite is Jack Ross, but he obviously has links to Hearts.
3: I'd be astonished if Jack Ross ended up at Hearts, to be honest. But certainly Jack Ross is the early front runner in terms of the bookmakers. I can see exactly why that is, because he's out of work. Stock levels high in Scotland by virtue of what he did with Alloa and St Mirren. Um, he didn't do quite so well at Sunderland, but obviously it's a hard club to go in and manage, and he wasn't exactly a an outright failure by any stretch. So I can absolutely see why he is the front runner. However, uh, Leanne Dempster was keen to stress today that there is no front runner, so to speak, and she's absolutely adamant that they are open minded. The fact she's saying that it may take until the end of the months to get an appointment does back that up because if they did have their eye on Jack Ross they could just go and get him right now and in theory have him in place for this weekend if they really wanted to so it does make me think they are open minded they are going to do a proper process interview maybe whittle down a shortlist and then interview four or five guys and see who they end up with the same way they did when they appointed Paul Eckenbottom nine months ago
0: Obviously Jack Ross is the standout favourite because he's Scottish and he's available And he did so well with St Mirren, winning the championship 12 points ahead of all the rest. You know, so went to Sunderland, did an okay job at Sunderland, but it was just so many draws. Who else is in the frame? Who else do we think? Because I don't know why they don't just try and tap up someone like Gordon Strachan.
2: I think he's only recently just taken over the role at Dundee, hasn't yeah, he? Has, and, I, I th- yeah. and I think he's he want, quite I think yeah. he's quite happy there. Does he want yeah. to come back into sort of
1: front-line management there? I, I, mean, I wouldn't go for someone like Strachan, but I'm more surprised that some of the other managers in the league who have done a very good job, like Stephen Robinson, maybe haven't been mentioned. I, I think Jack Ross is a, a strange one because he's a very good reputation in Scottish football. The, the sheer fact that people just sort of assume that hearts uh, or hips will go for him but he's never actually managed in the, the Scottish Premiership. Mm. I mean, he did, as you say, take Samaran up from the Championship. His time at Sunderland, I uh, heard Davey Moyes on um, on the radio the other night, and he obviously has experience of this and saying how Sunderland can, can be a bit of a graveyard for managers, and maybe that's the case with, with Jack Ross as well. But I actually felt that he'd gone to Sunderland at exactly the right time, that going down to League One... He almost felt as if they'd gone as low as they could go. And then he had by far the biggest budget in that league to work with and still didn't get them up. Um, And then had a a poor start to this season, which eventually cost him his job. So I would be very interested to see him take one of these two jobs to actually get a, a better idea of how good a coach he is. For me, he still has to, to prove he's as good as his reputation seems to be at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, what do we make of Hibbs'
0: approach uh, in Bottom's last game in charge? It was a 5-2 defeat to Celtic in the Betfred
2: Cup semi-final. It was, you could tell early doors, Celtic were just on it. The kind of goals that Celtic scored all felt like, you know when you're playing FIFA and you're playing as a lower-ranked team, or Pro Evo, whatever your preference is, other games are available, <laughs> but um, you're, you're a lower-ranked team, and you know how to play the game, but your players just physically can't cope with it. And the computer always ends up scoring like two yard tappings or rebounds yeah. and just breaking you down. That's kind of what it felt like. It's like no matter what Hibs did, like Celtic would still get a chance from three yards out and they took all of them. So I, I don't know. It, it wasn't much different from what we've seen, I think, from Hibs most of the season.
1: Mm. I think the, the big difference between this game and the game they played in the league a couple of weeks ago was that Celtic weren't really on it that day. whereas This is when it
0: finished 1-1. Yeah, yeah.
1: Whereas these type of games, when there's one team who's clearly the superior team, if that team plays at their best or close to their best, then almost no matter what the opposition do, they aren't going to stop them. I heard some criticism of Hibbs' approach in terms of were they too open, but I think that's really been Hibbs' problem throughout the course of the whole season. They don't have the players to play a kind of defensive type game, soak up pressure and try and take their chances on, on the break. The, the players that Hickenbottom brought in are all kind of technically good players, players that want to play in the front foot. He said at the start when he when he took over how he wanted them to be more a possession-based team um, and change the style quite a bit from, from Lennon's team. Um, so they didn't really have the players to, to play that way against Celtic. And actually, although the game was probably already gone, Their best spell in the game was when they were trailing 4-2 and they had quite a few chances to bring it back to 4-3 and then you never know, you know, 10 minutes before the end. But that was, at that point in the game, the game was wildly open and that was when you're actually seeing the best of some of Hibs' players. So it'll be interesting to see whoever does come in, whether they try to change the style again or they have to wait until January and get in some of their own players. But yeah, they should definitely be Higher in the table than they are for the players that they've got. Well,
0: they've got St Johnston this weekend, and Heckenbottom actually described this game on Saturday as a cup final, but he won't be leading them out now. So, um, we still should. ready and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the tables have turned a little bit for St Johnston, haven't they? You know, two wins in a row, and they got their first clean sheet of the season against Hearts.
2: Yeah, it feel, I think it probably feel like they've turned a corner. It's kind of weirdly what you would have expected. Hibs and probably Hearts to have done by now yeah. um, is is to start. This is the St. John'son that you kind of know, like they're they're a very capable, probably you know mid-table team, and, and the last couple of results are kind of more indicative of what you would think they would be performing. Like I think it, sometimes that's all it takes. It's it's just it's a, it's a confidence thing as well. I think in in games before the last two two matches, you could easily see you know when they went a goal down in a game despite having a lot of possession or a lot of chances, the heads would just drop. But I think that's kind of changed now and they look like they've got a bit more fight about them.
1: We looked at these three games, this block of three games beforehand, which was the home game against Hamilton, home game against Hearts and home game against Hibbs. as a big opportunity for them to completely turn their season around. And obviously getting those first two wins under the belt, confidence is up. It's a weird one this because, obviously Hibbs sacking the manager, but they're not going to have a new manager bounce type thing because they're not going to have an appointment made um, by the time the, the game comes around. So it's a great chance for St. Johnson to put more sort of um, breathing space between them themselves and and the bottom of the table, and really uh, put Hibs and in further into that relegation
0: mire. Well, the last time these teams faced each other at Easter Road in August, saw St scored score a ninety fourth minute equaliser, which is a common
2: theme for Hibs this season, conceding leads. I I just tend to find, especially in the midfield, the work rate of some of the players there defensively just doesn't seem to be there and it leaves them so open and they find it so difficult to see games out I think Scott Allen there's absolutely no doubt about his ability I think defensively he's he just doesn't work as hard as a lot of the other players I think even Malin as well doesn't quite give them that, that cover and I think that is something that they'll need to sort out pretty quickly and I think that would actually see them probably take a lot more points than they would have done if, if they'd had somebody in there that's able to like be that link between defence and midfield a little bit more
4: Jose Mourinho here, let me tell you a thing or two about special. An 18-year career at the top of football management, that's special. League titles in every country I've worked, that's special. What isn't special is winning the daily jackpot on Paddy Power Games.
3: That's
1: right, Jose. Yes, someone wins an average £40,000 jackpot every single day. So if you win, don't think you're special. No respect.
3: Get over it.
0: Daily jackpots by Paddy Power Games.
3: Jackpots must be awarded by 11pm and
1: vary from day to day. Jackpot is shared with other operators. Available on selected games. Tees and at paddypower.com. 8 and must <laughs>
2: On Spotify, Smart Speaker, and podcast platforms everywhere. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. This is Jack. This is Morelos. This is right oh, He's only good and done it again. Alfredo Morelos made
0: that 11 European goals this season. Not to be outdone by Celtic earlier in the night, Rangers roared past Porto at Ibrox thanks to two late goals from Alfredo Morelos and Stephen Davis. It's still all to play for in Group G in the Europa League. Three points separate the entire group. Rangers and Young Boys are on seven points. Feyenoord and Porto are on four. It was looking a bit dicey for Rangers with 20 minutes to go. Porto were probably having their best spell of the game and then two moments of absolute quality, real quality. The pass from Jack, The finish from Morelos. Finn, amazing finish. Amazing night for Scottish football.
2: Uh, It really is. And uh, it needed a kind of moment of brilliance like Morelos showed to break the deadlock. I thought Rangers were kind of tepid for a lot of the game. Having seen how they played two weeks ago in Porto, where they were unlucky not to win that game. Like they played Mm. Porto off the park in terms of their passing and everything else. They were just not sluggish, but there was just something that was a bit low key about the whole evening
0: they they played better football in
2: Porto and only got a draw and yet they didn't play as well tonight and got the win and I I don't know if part of that was to do with the fact that they really came out their shells when Porto scored two weeks ago Um, it it just it it all felt a bit um, humdrum for about 70 odd minutes Ryan Kent showed little moments of endeavour but it was it was Morelos that was kind of dragging Rangers kicking and screaming to the three points and I think there was even there was one point uh, probably about an hour into the game where he was closing down in the goalkeeper when the goalkeeper was in possession and literally beckoning back to the midfielders to be like, come and support me. He's like, come on, we need to be closing them down. So he was he was phenomenal tonight. I, there were a couple of defensive clearances he had as well. But That goal, the way that he took it and opened up his body from the pass into him from Jack which probably gave him you know, the extra couple of centimetres that did on the curl, just to take it past the goalkeeper and inside the, the far post was phenomenal.
0: 11 it, goals in Europe for Morelos this season. Honestly, that finish, it was stunning, wasn't but it? it the
1: thing that's even better about it, it is an incredible finish. It's on his weaker foot. Yeah. Is it? It's like to have the, both the, the skill and the confidence to be able to do that. And I, thought, I think Morelos is becoming even more this season. I mean, he scored a lot of goals last season, but he was still last season at times one of those strikers that maybe needed two chances to score a goal, whereas this season he's just deadly. Like that was his only real clear sight of goal all night, as I say on his weaker foot, and it's just an absolutely perfect finish. And it was always, always, I know they they went on and got the the second goal, the a deflected shot from from Davis, but it always felt like that kind of game where one goal might set Whoever got the first goal yeah. was going to be in pole position because yeah. there wasn't there weren't clear cut chances at either end. And I think it's a pattern of Rangers uh, home games in Europe under Gerrard that. So good defensively, they don't give goals away. I don't think they've been behind a, in a European game at home under under Gerard. That they're always in the game, and even if they're not at their absolute best, there was a chance of winning the game with one moment of quality, and they they got that through Morales more tonight. So what has this done for the coefficient then, Kieran? Yeah, so at, at the Our moment. Our good friend. Exactly at the <laughs> moment. Uh, Scotland is the, the fifth best league in Europe
0: Get in there come on.
1: Behind, on, <laughs> behind only uh, England, Spain, Germany and the Netherlands So who, who so are we ahead, we're ahead of? of? We're ahead of Italy, we're ahead of Portugal, we're ahead of France And uh, yeah, so I think um,
0: Get it Rooney it's, it's
1: only a matter of time before we see the, the Celtic Rangers Europa League final <laughs> It's the final everybody wants in Gdansk
0: Yeah, well yeah, it could be many Celtic Rangers finals this season um, But next up for Rangers, it's a trip to Dick Advocats Fire Nerd in three weeks the good old pal Dick
1: the amazing thing about Rangers' campaign is that they're they're probably disappointed to be in this the situation where yeah, they are because yeah, they played so well in Porto could easily have won that game I think should have won the game in, in, in Switzerland yeah, as yeah, well conceded yeah. very late against Young Boys they're in a position where they should already be through and still have a, a, an excellent chance of going through I think I agree that the next game in uh, away Feyenoord could be a tricky one but the last game being at home against Young Boys I think if they win that they'll, they'll go through no matter what so I'd fancy them to, to get the job done It's been a good week for the club
0: you know it's going to be Celtic versus Rangers in the Betfred Cup final
1: I think a lot of the media
0: have been waiting for it since Steven Gerrard was appointed it's a Glasgow derby in a cup
1: final It's, it's, it's such a huge huge game and it has such a bearing potentially on the rest of the season as yeah. well because yeah, yeah. if Rangers win that game it really lays down a marker for the for the rest of the season gets that trophy mm-hmm. under the belt and not just in Scotland but we've seen like for example Mourinho in England talking about how important the League Cup is as the first trophy of the season to, to get that extra bit of confidence and particularly um, when it's, it's your first trophy together as a team as it would be for Gerard Rangers so yeah it's a huge game
2: I think I, I remember hearing an interview with Gary McAllister a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about when he was a player in that Liverpool team that won the three trophies in 2001 I think it was around mm-hmm. about then yep. but he was saying how important the League Cup was for them to develop that winning mentality a squad and that's actually what spurred them on to the further silverware that season and I think it could be, like you're saying Kieran, it's, it's it could potentially be a seismic shift in terms of uh, mentality if, if Rangers win that, we'll probably talk about it more close to the time but it's, it's a really intriguing
0: one Well, first things first They move on now to go to Livingston They're at Almondvale And obviously Livingston beat Celtic at home this season They beat Rangers there last season as well You know, it could be a tricky tie If we have this, you know, the typical European hangover It's a high for Rangers It's a high for Celtic as well It could be upsets this weekend
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Rangers probably have the more difficult game just because they're they're playing away from home um and Livingston as you say have have shown their, their capabilities to to shock the both Celtic and Rangers over the past couple of seasons they actually played away at Livingston earlier this season in the league cup as well 1-1 0 but it, it was a tight game it wasn't wasn't one where Rangers um ran away with it Livingston will make it difficult for them. Lyndon Dykes has missed the last three games as you say and could be missing again and, and he's a big miss for Livingston. Um Livingston actually also caused Rangers problems at Ibrox earlier in the season. They went did, they yeah. went ahead. That's um, when Lyndon Dykes got, uh, got sent set off. off yeah. yeah. Rangers won 3-1 but I think they scored all the three goals in the in the last 20 minutes. So Livingston will certainly give them a game. Um it'll be it'll be physical. I think Rangers just on the high um of tonight going into an international break um, it'll be such a, a big thing for them just to make sure that they at least don't lose any ground on Celtic
0: Back we go to Edinburgh and on Saturday at three o'clock it's Hearts versus St Mirren the team with the worst home record against the team with the worst away record so something we'll give in this one folks 0-0 yeah? draw Nil- n- <laughs> it's standout, isn't it absolute standout. Alston McVie was in charge for the Betfred Cup semi-final against Rangers. He didn't start at Piezu, which was a surprise, and they lost 3-0. He kind of explained himself in the post-match um, presser, saying that he kind of he wanted to bring him on later on in the game so that he was fresher, but he was forced out of injuries and um, McLean kind of almost getting well, a yeah, red card.
1: <laughs> McLean was just trying to get himself uh, sent off as early as possible, and so he had to, to bring ick on on before half-time. I don't think whatever Austin McFeel done on Saturday, Hearts had won the game. I think Rangers were, were miles the better. I mean, I feel like a 3-0 result was was um, a very good one for Hearts, given how the, the way the game given the the way the game went. It could easily have been five or six. And, yeah, there were, there were again, it's a, it's a flip side of what happened with Hibs, that Hibs were a bit more cavalier and conceded five goals. Hearts tried to defend, and even there couldn't defend properly, really. And we're easily beaten and people are criticizing them for not having more of a go. This is like much more of a test for, for Austin McPhee. If he wants to put his name in the hat for the, the full time managerial position, I, I don't think he will um be considered. I know that uh Budge has said that he's you know among among the names that they'll look at, but given everything else that she has said about wanting an experienced coach, someone with um quite high standing in the games, I think I don't think he's gonna be there for, for the long term. I think he's he
0: to make his mind up as well, isn't he? Because he's given himself a bit of a, a deadline, saying, I, th- I, I can't remember exactly how long he gave himself, but I think he said, the next 10 days I will know if I'm yeah. capable of taking this job. And he's trying to change things up a little bit because he's taken his squads away from um, their usual training pitch at Orium, which is at Heriot-Watt's campus, the university campus. And they've went north to St Andrews, Barnet Park, which is a juniors kind of pitch. Um, to try and make it difficult and make it harder to train on so that they can be ready at the weekend. Every game needs
2: to be a win for them now. It kind of makes sense to try and change things up just if things are feeling a little bit stale and you need something to just kick start it. I don't know if McPhee would be a hugely popular choice with the the heart support though because I think when we were speaking to Amaruso Let's It Run the other week in the podcast, he was saying that they see him very much as in that living mould And it kind of showed at Hamden. He suggested that
0: that he was really running the team anyway Yeah I think so So
2: I think the Hearts fans by and large Would prefer to see somebody completely different Come in with a different set of ideas And probably somebody with a bit more experience as well So
0: Hearts have got the worst home record in the Premiership The only team in the division yet to win at home this season It's ridiculous
1: yeah, and this is the type of game I mean, we've said this for quite a few games we said it for Hamilton at home uh, Muddle at home you really need to start winning these types of games we saw St Mirren even when they went to Celtic Park last week only being beaten 2-0 and, and really restricting Celtic much more than they have at home so far this season that they're incredibly hard to break down yes, they don't score goals which is their their big problem but that's the, that's the challenge they're going to pose to Hearts and whether Hearts have got the guile to do that whether they'll have the the confidence to do that because you have to take risks to break these kind of teams down what happens if it gets to half time and it's still nil nil and how how the crowd reaction and then, uh, the, do they turn on the team and then the team get get more nervous so it's a huge game for hearts I th- the thing is if they do win and then appoint new manager over the international break it is a, a turning point potentially but tomorrow we'll, we'll we'll make it Will make it difficult for them. I, I still have my my doubts about Simmer in terms of, as I say, the the number of goals they've scored, yeah. um, and as well organised as they have been with the players that they've got, they're not going to be able to maintain that defensive record throughout the course of the campaign. So I want to start leaking a few whether they'll have enough enough to to get them out of uh, relegation problems. And it's that constant balance they have to strike. That obviously they're not scoring goals because maybe they're not they're not open enough, they're not taking enough risks, they're not playing enough men forward. And as soon as you start to do that. Then you open up the other end, so um, it's a balancing act. They'll certainly give Hearts a game, and they won't they won't roll over.
0: It was it finished nil nil at St Mirren Park at the end of September, but St Mirren have lost all six of their away games in the Premiership this season. Do we think that run's going to end, or do we think that you know the change that Austin McPhee is trying to to bring, it will be a Hearts win?
2: If Hearts can find, or I take even just like one chance, I don't see St Mirren like you're saying, Kieran, having much there. To get something else Out of the game They're not exactly You know Sharp shooting But um, St Mary have scored Five goals The whole season So far So it is awful Um, I think
0: maybe for Hearts You know Having Stephen Naismith back Could be important Of course it's important He is their best player And they miss him If he manages to stay On his feet that is And they've got Jamie Walker Who could be introduced as well Obviously he's coming back From a leg break I, I'm going to pump. I'm, I'm pump. I'm going to. I'm going to stump for oh. Hearts. I think. I think Hearts will get the win here. I think, like you were saying, Kieran earlier on. I think St Mirren get players in the box, they just don't have the ability to put it in the back of the net, and that's why it will be a Hearts win. Time now for the latest odds with our man Lee Price at Paddy Power. Lee. Give us a hand. Answer the two burning questions in Scottish football. First of all, who's going to be the next Hearts manager?
4: Yeah, I feel a little bit conflicted here because the favourite to be the next Hearts manager is Stephen Robinson, a.k.a. Motherwell manager, a.k.a. the team with the sexiest kit in the league, sponsored, of course, by Paddy Power. Second favourite is Jack Ross, and then third in the betting, Roy Keane. Interesting, not sure where that's come from, but he's available.
0: Okay, then, who's going to be the next Hebs manager?
4: Far more confident here. It's 1-5, to five, massively odds-on that Jack Ross goes to Hibs. Not Hearts, as previously mentioned. ex london boss sacked earlier this season, of course. Very highly rated. Return to a big club like Hibs could be just what he needs. The rest of the betting is very distant then. So you've got Stephen Robinson again from Motherwell. 7-1, to one, second favourite. And then you've got David Unsworth, Alan Stubbs, who's clearly up for it, judging by his recent quotes. And Owen Coyle. Remember him? They're all 16-1 to one in the betting. We think it's going to Jack Ross.
0: Finally, it's the Dundee Derby tonight. Last time they met, it finished 6-2 to United. What kind of game are we expecting here?
4: Tight. Uh, it might be the only time this season that Dundee United are not odds on for a game, which could spell value or could be a red flag. I'll let you work that one out. It's 11-8 to the Tangerines win. They're the favourites here. Dundee, the home team, 13-8 to with the draw, 23-10. to Lawrence Shankland, always worth a mention, is odds on to score. And let's face it, he usually does. It's not all doom and gloom in the capital. Edinburgh
0: City are right in the race for promotion from League Two. Bob Fallon from the Citizen Supporters Club joins us now. First of all, Bob, I heard our producer Charlie spoke to you earlier on and pronounced your name a little bit differently. <laughs>
5: uh, he, he certainly did. Um, Was it Boab, uh, Boab he called you? you. <laughs> it's Boab. Um, I think <laughs> most people
0: like the of it. Oh, it sounds good But it's Bob And I love it uh, yes. Right look It's it's a terrible time For the two supposed Giants of Edinburgh um, But should everyone Just start supporting City Because it's going really well
5: I'd, I'd be delighted If everybody started Supporting Edinburgh City um, <laughs> We we play a very decent Brandy football um, The gaffer Has a very clear plan On how he wants to play And I think the team Are set up In that way And he's signed Players for that system and is working pretty well.
1: You were involved in a three-way battle for top spot last season, but then had a terrible end to the season. Just uh, two points in the last fifteen available. What happened there? What lessons have been learned for this
5: season? Um, I think in, in terms of last season, um, we had a very small squad, and injuries eventually took their toll. Um, it's a long season, and I think we played more. We definitely played more games than anybody else in the league. Um, the Challenge Cup run. Uh, well, nice. And well, we got our little European adventure to North Wales, um, it kind of it scunnered the team a little bit. And some of the guys end up running on empty and injured for quite a lot of the season. So the difference from last season to this season is there's been a wee bit more investment to spread, it, spread the squad a little better. So there's probably more cover in each position. Um, and we're hoping that can carry us forward a bit better than last year. You you said that
0: you know you you play a good brand of football. Who are some of the you know top players that you you like to see um, playing for City? The the standout is is Blair Henderson, who got you thirty goals from last season, but he's been injured, and you've kind of got yourself into this good position so far without him. So who do you like seeing? Who are the big names?
5: Um, certainly, this season, uh, Danny Handling's been playing very well, um, and he's like started, started to chip in with some goals and probably for the first time in a long time, he's kept himself fit for quite a lot of the season. Um, Alex Harris is playing pretty well. He's scored a lot of goals as well. In terms of the whole team itself, we're probably spreading the goals a bit better than we did last year, which is covering for the loss of Blair himself. I think sometimes it's hard to pick a player for City because we have a lot of good players in different positions and a lot of unsung heroes. So, Matt Laird does a lot of good work in the midfield and You've got Robbie McIntyre on the left who does tremendous work down that side of the field as well and our back four is generally really, really settled which makes a big, massive difference to the team.
0: You've got Blair coming back as well. He was on the bench recently, wasn't he? So he'll be a huge boost for you.
5: Um, hopefully, yes. Yeah, so, um, it really depends on how, how the gaffer wants to go with it. I mean, we're playing pretty well. We've only lost a couple of games. Um may have to force his way back into the team. I don't know how good games will work that one. But, but certainly it's a big boost to have your 30-plus your goal scorer uh, coming back in to give a boost to the team.
2: What are the kind of aspirations for Edinburgh City going forward? Where do you guys see yourselves in four or five seasons' time?
5: Um, if you ask the board, I think they, they've made proclamations of they want to be the best part-time team in Scotland. Um, I think as fans we possibly have to temper that a little bit Uh, there's there's some very good teams above us and there's some very good teams also who put in a lot more money than we could ever probably put in this all may change because we've recently just been taken over um, so that those kind of plans may come to fruition but certainly if we can hold ourselves in the league possibly into promotion to League 1 runs in the cup that type of thing then I think most of the fans will be pretty happy with that
0: Before we move on, we should send our best wishes to Jim Weir. We spoke to him on this podcast back in August and he was involved in a pretty horrific car accident in September. Weir has since had to resign as 4 manager to take some time off to recover from those injuries and to concentrate on his everyday work commitments. So, Jim, all the best to you and I hope you you get better soon. Uh, Back to the Premiership, where the Staggies face the Dons at Dingwall, Finn. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, Aberdeen took Kilmarnock apart 3-0 last Saturday, but it was a makeshift Kilmarnock defence, we should say, because JJ not here. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be interesting for third place this season.
1: Yeah, I think particularly that game last weekend, I, I know what you're saying like Kilmarnock didn't have the, the same defensive setup that they've had for the past couple of months when they've, they've been very solid, um, but Aberdeen... Are starting, I think, to show some signs of in these games. I know they've been heavily beaten by by Celtic and Rangers in the past few weeks, but in these games against the likes to going away to Motherwell a couple of weeks ago and winning three 0 as well. That maybe over the course of the season they're going to be still be the the third best team. The big thing that that they have that a lot of the other teams in the, the division outside the top two don't have is a goal scorer. Yeah, um, I mean Cosgrove scored again against Komarnik, so um, and hit the post. Yeah, I mean I know he came off with a slight injury, so. That's a concern. It shouldn't. Might be a problem for this weekend. Um, it shouldn't be a long, long-term one. So even if he does miss this weekend, he'll be back after the the international break. But then they've still got the big fridge up front.
2: Curtis Main's goal was absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, it was via <laughs> a lovely pass from uh, oh, Ferguson. What,
2: what a ball in that was! It's actually a
0: really well-worked goal. Yeah. Um, right from the back. But I do think I do think as much as I know a lot of Aberdeen fans were. You know, glowing and glowing praise of it. It should have been defended better. But hey ho, they had Gary Dicker at centre back, who's done it before, and then Wilson as well, who was probably one of Queen of the South's best players last season. Um, but he's not a defender; he's a midfielder. What about Ross County then? Unbeaten in four away games. The last two have finished two-two. But four without f-
1: without a win in the last last six games in the well, Premiership games, at least I think. Yeah, Ross County had uh, they did got off to a very good start. Actually, quite often see teams that, that come up with a championship and you know, build on that on that momentum. I th- I do think they'll probably have um, enough to to keep them up. Just if we talk by comparison of their last two games, finishing two two. We've just been talking about mm-hmm. how St. Martin, um, for example, struggled to score goals. They'll have to be wary because we would expect eventually that the, the the two Edinburgh clubs will sort of move away from the bottom of the table. So Ross County being in sixth at the moment. Whether they maintain that over the the course of the season, I think they'll obviously struggle to to get into the top six, but they're more than capable on their day of of springing a surprise. It does it? it
0: does show a strong mentality within the group, though, doesn't it? The fact that I think they came from two 0 down at Hibernian to finish two two, yeah, and then again they were they were down to Hamilton to come back and get a point away from home.
1: Yeah, exactly, and they did the same. Um, I know uh, Motherwell got a man sent off that day, but the same uh, at Motherwell um, earlier in the season they were one 0 down and came back to win. 2-1, 2-1, so yeah, I mean, I think that, as has been shown sometimes this season, they're heavily beaten by Rangers Celtic, even they get home to Livingston, which is a bit of a surprise, they will they will have their days where they, they take a bit of a thrashing, but but I think, particularly at home, they, um, they'll they get enough wins, and I think that this is the type of game that will get a, a good sense as well, I think, of of where Aberdeen are at, because... After the, the results they got at, at Hamilton against Muddle and Kilmarnock, if they go and win here again, they really are starting to establish themselves as the third force again.
2: But Ross County are perfectly capable of, of springing a surprise. I think it's a, it is always a difficult place as well to go, Dingwall. Yeah. Um, not as evident by some of the results this season, like you were saying, Kieran, like the 4-0 game. And, and, and But I don't think it's the easiest game for Aberdeen to go there. It's tricky. And I, the weird thing about Aberdeen is that like they have pulled out pretty convincing victories against the likes of Motherwell and Kamanic this season but then they've had injuries granted but then it's the games where you think no Aberdeen should win that and then they don't mm-hmm. especially on the road or even at home so this could be one of those games potentially
1: I know that the three, the three Komarnik goals for example came from cross balls As what you're saying it's the games where teams sit in against them that they quite often struggle to to break teams down and yeah be interesting to see because Ross County don't often play like that you know they they are um, quite progressive um, in the way they play so whether they change tack to try and foil Aberdeen or they sort of play the natural game which might actually play into Aberdeen's hands
0: Just finally now we'll talk about Kilmarnock versus Hamilton Uh, we mentioned Kilmarnock's injury problems Stuart Finlay is out for three months with a hamstring tear which is a huge blow it wasn't long ago he you know, turning out for Scotland. Um, But Alex Bruce will be back from suspension. This is after his appeal for his red card against Motherwell was rejected and he missed the Aberdeen game. So do we think Gary Dicker will continue at centre-half?
2: Yeah, you might have to. I mean, losing Stuart Finlay is an absolutely massive blow. He's just been such a rock for them Mm -hmm. over the past uh, two seasons. And uh, like you're saying as well, his... uh, his recent turnout for Scotland and the goal that he scored. So I yeah. I just love seeing that celebration. The photo of that. Just that that's you know, the embodiment of every single Tartan Army yeah, fan yeah, yeah. In, in that photograph. Yeah, he'll be a huge loss to them. I think Kamarnik won't win this. I just I mean, Hamilton have that thing where they like I say every it, week been like So
0: unlucky something. recently, Hamilton, yeah. And Brian Rice was,
2: was Angry that they didn't win against Ross County um, last time round. So I think not seeing it out, and especially the manner of the goal that conceded uh, late on against Ross County, it was a shame. They they definitely have players capable of making an impact. I've been really impressed with Lewis Smith this season. I think yeah. he's been yeah. great. Obviously he scored quite a few important goals, but it's 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 the way that he. He he's got that brilliant thing where it's a young player and they're kind of fearless, so they just get the head in and run. And the way that he um, creates chances is is a real bonus for Hamilton. But he I, got I the still... assist
0: as well for for Oakley, didn't he? He
2: did, yeah. I, which was a brilliant take and go by Oakley. Actually, yeah. I thought a uh, really great finish. But I I still think Kelly at home. The I think they've uh, last week's result was a bit of an aberration away at Aberdeen. I think they'll just be too strong for for Hamilton.
0: We should um, credit Angelo Alessio again. I know they lost against Aberdeen, but manager of the month. It's turning out to be. Not a bad season. Yeah, it managed the ones for October, which guarantees a terrible November. <laughs> These type of things work, isn't it? Yeah, not a great start to November, but five games without a win for Hamilton, and they they just don't have the game management that game
1: kind of knows to see games out one of the great things about Hamilton is like we, uh, Vin was talking about there with Lewis Smith like they always give an opportunity to younger players and, and when if you do have younger players then you're going to have a bit of that sort of inexperienced stuff like that but they do have like plenty of seasoned campaigners that have been there um, over the course of quite a few seasons and they do have that Not I mean we come back to all the time that know-how of how to stay stay in this league so they're still in a decent position they're on eighth um, still only two points off the bottom I mean, it's all very tight there and and you would expect it'll be between them, uh, St Mirren, maybe at some point Livingston and Ross County coming, coming more towards the pack now that St Johnson have picked up. But given Kamarnock's defensive woes, if Hamilton can go there and score, I mean, Kamarnock, even in their good run, have, have hardly been free scoring. So there is a chance for them there to, to go and pick up something.
0: That's all we've got time for. Thank you, Kieran. Thank you, Finn. Thank you, producer Charlie. Bowab. Thanks to the Little Kicks for our little theme song and thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next Friday as we look ahead to Scotland's doubleheader with Cyprus and Kazakhstan. Yes. Find us a team, Steve Clark, please.
2: You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddynewsmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.